For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars you're in the right place lock and deal baby welcome to the Gen Jag podcast with your host Jordan DeLugo move those chains here's your host Jordan what up Duval welcome to season three of the Gen Jag podcast I guess we could say we're now on episode 61 we are entering the 2018 off season, Got a lot of fun stuff to look forward to. We're excited to move on from the just utter devastation that was the AFC Championship game. We've got a lot coming up in the next few months. The NFL, as they say, there is no offseason in the NFL. For people that cover and follow the NFL, there's also no offseason, really. I mean, you had the Senior Bowl last week. You had the Pro Bowl. You've got the Super Bowl coming up this week. Shortly after that, you'll have uh, tons of pro days and the scouting combine. Then you'll get into the start of the league year where we'll have trades and free agency, which apparently people are just ignoring the start of the league year now and just going ahead and getting things (laughs) done early. No one really cares anymore, it seems like. Uh, And obviously I'm referring to the Alex Smith trade. Uh, And then you'll have the draft and then you'll get into your offseason program workouts and practices, OTAs, all that fun stuff. So it's it's really nonstop, and we're really excited to be back here. Today we're going to be solely focused on the offensive side of the football for the Jaguars. Now we do have some news and notes to get into before we break down the offense, but the primary subject of this episode is going to be the offense. I'm joined, as always, by Scott Klein. You can find him on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. Hunter Evans, you can find at Coach H underscore Evans on Twitter, and you can find myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. Um, and follow Jim Jag. We've got lots of updates coming out daily. Check out our website. You can see Alan Robinson running for the first time on grass since his ACL tear. We've got a by-the-numbers breakdown of uh, one quarterback that's currently employed by the Jaguars and one quarterback that's currently not. We'll get into those two guys a little bit later. Uh, Yeah, so we've got a lot to get into. This episode, as is every episode, presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can go hang out with them at their downtown location on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. So big shout out to those guys. They've hooked us up with some beverages today. We've got some Duke's Brown Ale, one of their mainstays. And we've got the Green's Pale Ale, which uh, we've pretty much made a mainstay on the podcast. I think we've had it like four weeks in a row. It's delicious. It's good beer. And we've got a Pop Top beer, new (laughs) beer they're putting out this uh, week here. So stay tuned for that about halfway. About halfway through the episode, we will crack into that one. 
give you a little review, provide some information on it. So you won't want to miss that. Again, thanks to Bold City Brewery. All right. So there's a lot of stuff that happened with the Jaguars this week. Jaguars are confirmed. The Jaguars didn't technically, but Mark Long from the Associated Press confirmed <laughs> the Jaguars will be getting new uniforms. Woo! It's pretty exciting. More teal. Yeah. Uh, there's rumors, and, and Long confirmed this. There's supposed to be more teal in the actual jersey and pants. And then the helmet will be going back to one color. Most likely, it seems like it's going to be black, which that's fine. That's that's the Jaguars football from, yeah. from 1995 <laughs> until 2012. They should go yeah. flat black for sure. That'd be, that'd be cool. You don't want to get the little teal sparkles when the sun hits it in there anymore? <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, yeah, I'm they cool would, with all black. I mean, I like the teal sparkles, but they'd have to bring back like a very simple jersey, I think. Which is fine. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where area. they go. Like, yeah. I personally like the uniforms. I know a lot of people. I do too. I don't. I get why people wouldn't like the two tone, but like even if you just put a black helmet on their uniforms See, now, I like them. Yeah, but the especially the two yeah. the two tone helmet looks a lot better in person. Like if you're up close on it, yeah. to me it, it always looked better. It always just looked kind of funky on TV. But I think when I actually like saw it in person and I was holding it, I was like, that's not bad. Yeah, I but, wish it would have been more of. A gradual fade. Well, that's tough with the black, the black and the gold. They can, you can do anything now. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's I'll, it just kind of abruptly just, I just shifts. Need, I need to go get a jersey. I guess I I never buy jerseys. I don't like jerseys. Yeah, but I was going to be gifted have to buy a jersey one. for Christmas, and I said, hold off on that. They're getting new jerseys this year. Well, it's just going to be a throwback now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I need to buy one. Yeah, I mean, I'm cool. I'm fine with it. I've only bought like 10 jerseys over the last five years. <laughs> I mean, Not really. I've, I've probably gotten like one, one a year. I still wear my Tony Bracken's jersey all the time. Right, but that's like a true throwback. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like when, you don't want to be wearing the um, second most recent rendition of your jersey. That's not really a throwback. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you just have the old jersey <laughs> yeah. that's not updated. It's like maybe in... Ten years, the yeah. jerseys that they currently have will be considered throwback or something yeah. like that. So, uh, anyways, Jaguars will be getting new uniforms. Going to be black helmets, it looks like, and some more teal in the jersey and pants. <coughs> I think everybody would like to see more teal, so that's awesome. Yep. Uh, the Pro Bowl was on Sunday. Unique Ngakwe, Telvin Smith, Jalen Ramsey, Malik Jackson, and AJ Boye all participated. Um... AJ, Malik, and Jalen started. And it didn't go very well for AJ Boye <laughs> on the first drive. Uh, he gave up a third down completion to Doug Baldwin. Drew Brees to Doug Baldwin, beat him inside. And then he was also beaten inside by Adam Thielen in a uh, goal-to-go situation. Gave up a touchdown on the first drive of the game. So AJ, not a great game for him, but does it matter? No. <laughs> it's just cool to see your guys do well on the national stage. But uh, everyone else did play very well. Unique Ngakwe played very well. He had, uh, really, he had a strip sack, but he wasn't given credit for it because Von Miller was there as well. He was in the vicinity. People care about Von Miller a lot more than Unique Ngakwe at this point. But Unique and Von had, like, a cool chemistry going on. They both posted about each other after the game, like, 
So now Yannick Ngakwe has Calais Campbell and Vaughn Miller as his two guys to look up <laughs> yeah. to. It's like, that is not bad company. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so great for Unique. He had a good game. Telvin Smith had a great game. He had eight tackles, led all players in tackles. So it's good to see him do that. And Jalen Ramsey shut everybody down. He got tested a couple times deep, and there was no chance of the receiver he, catching he was, the ball. He was chatting with... With Thielen a little bit. Yeah, Adam Thielen, for some reason, was, like, talking smack after Jalen just shut him down. It was like, okay. Yeah, he thought he got <laughs> open, but it was... <laughs> uh, whatever you say, buddy. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Uh, so, yeah, great showing at the Pro Bowl for the Jaguars. Good to see five Jaguars in the Pro Bowl. I don't know when the last time you saw that was. Uh, certainly, I would late guess 90s, late, late 90s. Late 90s, yeah. Probably late 90s. And then uh, there was a sixth, Calais Campbell, who just didn't participate. Um, Alex Smith was traded to the Redskins yesterday. And now this doesn't become official until March 14th to start of the league year. But they've agreed to the trade in principle. The Redskins will receive Alex Smith, sign him to a four-year extension worth guaranteed over $70 million, I think $111 million total between the five years. Because they just added on one year to his current contract. Uh, so they got Alex Smith to replace Kirk Cousins, who's been wanting a contract for some time. We'll get into that a little bit more. But the Chiefs, in return for Alex Smith, got a third-round pick, which, in my opinion, is a premier pick. Oh, yeah. You can build really solid teams if you if you can hit in the third round. You can get a unique and gunplay. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh and then Kendall Fuller, who's one of the better young DBs in football and mm-hmm. definitely one of the best nickel corners in football. So it looks like the on the surface, the Chiefs clearly got the better of that deal because they still have their quarterback they want. They got Pat Mahomes, yeah. uh, you know, just sitting back there waiting. What do you guys see about this deal? To me, it looks like what the Redskins should have done with Kirk Cousins. Just understand, okay, we know what we have, we like what we have, but use your leverage to try and get something out of it. Because franchising Kirk Cousins two two years in a row, it's not really working. The Chiefs, they drafted the guy who played in, I think, one game this year. Pull the plug. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's get something for him. And they got better. Yeah. Yeah, the Chiefs definitely did it right. Now... If you're a Redskins fan, Alex Smith isn't a bad quarterback. No. He was one of the best quarterbacks in football last year. You could have a couple <laughs> good seasons with him. But as a whole, does the move make a lot of sense? Probably not. And that, of course, does mean Kirk Cousins will hit the open market and he's going to get one of the richest contracts in NFL history. He'll probably be the second or third highest paid quarterback in football behind Matt Stafford, who got $27 million a year last year, I believe, on his deal. Uh... So, Cousins is going to hit the open market. We'll have plenty to talk about when it comes to Kirk Cousins here. Uh, Everybody in Jacksonville either seems to be clamoring for Kirk Cousins or defending Blake Bortles. So, we'll we'll break that down a little bit more later on in the show. Allen Robinson was able to run on grass for the first time uh, since his ACL tear. There's a video of that on gymjag.com. He's not sprinting or cutting or anything like that, but... All indications are he's ahead of schedule with his uh, rehab, and he's a guy 
you want to see the Jaguars re-sign or franchise tag and see out there uh, trying to help help this offense improve a little bit in 2018. Blake Bortles had wrist surgery. Uh, we knew about the wrist injury. I don't. I didn't ever have an idea that it was going to be need to be surgically repaired. But I guess when you go through a entire season with an injury mm-hmm. that's not going away. And he really went through an entire 2017 off-season program, too. He got injured in 2016, December 2016. And he's just been dealing with it since then. Um, minor surgery. It was just a partial t- tear in his throwing hand wrist. Uh, but it shouldn't lead to any missed time in the off-season program, whether that's here or wherever he is. I, I think he will be here, but we'll see and talk about that a little bit more. And the biggest thing, though, some people have been like, oh, well, will this affect whether or not he can pass a physical come March 14th? Because come March 14th, if he can't pass a physical, uh, the Jaguars are on the hook for his $19 million. This will not affect a physical. So this has no effect on what the Jaguars' plans are with him. He was actually, I believe I saw that he was actually, the option was picked up after the injury occurred. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because the injury so they, occurred in the 2016 season. Oh yeah, so they knew they knew surgery was coming. Um, they knew. I mean, he's been playing with it and performing with it. Um, so, to me, it's a lot of nothing. I mean, it's they probably got. It's much to do about that. nothing, but when a starting quarterback. <laughs> Has a wrist surgery yeah, on his throwing, and you got to talk about and it. And when there's an injury guarantee on the line, especially for $19 million. Right. Oof. You better hope he's ready to go. <laughs> I mean, if it's as minor as they're saying, it's not too much to worry about. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's his throwing arm, but it, it didn't seem like it really inhibited his performance. Like, no, his I throwing mean, he had a better season than he did the year before, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. So, I mean... Maybe who knows <laughs> what it was? Technically, it could be carpal tunnel or. Uh, like, well, they said it was <clears throat> a partial tear in the wrist. Okay, so but it could be something similar to, or something small and minor that mm-hmm. a lot of people have. It was just bothering him throughout the year, and I'm sure they gave him cortisone shots and you know a couple of pills here and there to make him get through it. So, I mean, who knows? It, I don't think it's going to really be an issue. I think people have kind of blown it out of proportion, really. Yeah, people. And I heard some people freaking out like it was just a big joke, but I, I don't get it. Is it that big of a deal? It's not that big of a deal, but it is news. Yeah, well, it is. But is it really news? I mean, I <laughs> yeah, guess it's, it, it is. is, but it's not like Blake Bortles, you know, had some terrible injury the whole year. We didn't no. know about or something that's going to like really be detrimental to his health. No, which is nice. He's all good. Yeah. All good. I don't know if he even missed a practice all season. <laughs> Hurts that curling. That, you know, <laughs> no, maybe he, he might have been limited. Yeah, at times, but I don't think he really was. Because yeah. I mean, we saw, we talked about this on the injury report every week. Yep. <laughs> he's there, but uh, he's good to go. So that leaves us with the rest of our episode here to talk about the Jaguars' offense. The Jaguars' offense that finished sixth in total yards in 2017. Higher than that in points. I believe top five in points. Led the league in rushing. Uh, Surprisingly, I mean, most people don't really know this, but the passing offense 
did put up a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. They put up stats. Bortles had uh, plenty of attempts by the end of the season. He had two games where he threw over 50 passes in the regular season, which I don't think anybody would have expected that going into this season. But there was times where the running game wasn't working. There was times where the passing game wasn't working. Certainly this offense has room to improve. And for an offense that just finished sixth in total yards, for them to have that much room to improve, yeah. that's a great position to be in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, normally when you're sitting here talking about an offense that needs a new quarterback and needs new players at a bunch of different positions, you're talking about an offense that probably finished in the bottom third of the league. Yep. The Jaguars were, for all intents and purposes, a top five offense last season. And they can only go up, really, if they're able to continue to uh, have success with the game plans on offense and have success calling plays, which I don't see any reason they wouldn't be able to. They were really smart in some of their games this year with their play calling and design. Hunter can speak more to that, certainly. But uh, instead of starting with the most important position, we're going to finish with the most important position, and that's quarterback. So... You're going to have to bear with us through all the other offensive positions as we go through them here and just kind of break down what we want to see from the Jaguars this offseason, where they could improve some positions, where they should stand pat, and uh, just get a gauge of where we feel all these positions stand. So, without further ado, let's start with running back. What do we want to see here? We, we I mean... You could kind of see the way this was going towards the end of the season. Chris Ivory was a healthy scratch, healthy scratch continuously at the end of the season. It coincides with the fact that he has a big number going into as far as his contract. Yeah. To me, he's one of the more obvious cuts that are potentially going to happen this this year. Um, I absolutely expect him to not be a Jaguar next year. But that leaves us with what do you do after that? Do you go after a free agent? Do you draft somebody? Do you bring up a guy like Tim Cook of your practice squad? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of yeah. Tim Cook. He's a physical runner, and he's got some juice to him. So he's a guy I'm very happy they signed him to a futures contract, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, beyond cutting Ivory, who that'll save you a little under $4 million, I believe, next year in terms of actual cap, you've got the fourth round, or fourth round, excuse me, fourth overall pick from 2017, Leonard Fournette, who had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, he had some ups and downs, dealt with some injuries, but he finished with over 1,000 total yards rushing. In terms of total yards, he finished with over 1,300, and he had... Uh, I think he finished with eight rushing touchdowns in the regular season then added four more in the playoffs. So really impressive by him to be able to find the end zone so much. You know, that's what... When Tom Coughlin called him up and draft yep. when they were drafting, when the Jaguars were drafting him, they call him, we, we need to get you in, in the end zone. He's like, I got you, coach. So... <laughs> He was able to do everything that the Jaguars needed and more, and he was able to do it against stack boxes. In my opinion, he just he did as much as you could have asked for. Do you guys agree there? Or Yeah, I mean, especially from what it looked like to me, it was just a subpar run-blocking offensive line as well. 
I think. I mean, his stats were good. I mean, I texted you all the stats. He was he had three hundred eighty-one touches, passing, rushing for sixteen hundred yards, sixteen hundred twenty-eight yards, which is about four point two, four point three yards a carry. That's, That's including the playoffs. That's everything. Yeah, which is pretty good. That's not bad. I mean, it's impressive. <clears throat> and fourteen overall touchdowns, rushing and receiving. Um, I do think that he left a lot of yards out on the field, not just from his missed games, but I think if he's healthy every game and he can improve his vision and some of his running styles, then I think he's a 2,000-yard all-purpose, all-around back. I think that the NFL caught up with him a little bit in terms of, like, he was like, oh, this isn't so bad for the first few weeks, and then teams start keying in on him. And I think that's the thing about the NFL is, and he made a comment that it wasn't any faster than he was used to, which that's fine. It might not be faster, but it's... They're smarter, they're bigger, they're stronger, and they're going to catch up to you. It's the same reason the Wildcat lasted for half a year. Like right. You're yeah. going to figure a way out very quickly. The spin move dies very quickly, and yeah. you can see that towards the end of the year. Yes, he had some nice spin moves. He's going to have to realize that he... He tried that too often. Yeah, it he, killed momentum. And I think that's part of his growth. He's a rookie. He, in college, you can spin and do all that stuff because you're not playing against the best of the best. You, well, you are, but it's the best of the best. For I mean, I think that he's spun this season way more than he ever has in his career, though. It's like, well, maybe, but I think when, as a rookie especially, you get comfortable with one thing. You get comfortable doing what you are comfortable with, and you're gonna fall back on that no matter what. And I think as he grows and they get more time with him, he'll start to find more moves, more more tools to pull out. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is he started to run directly into the line. No matter what, because there was definitely times where he had holes, cutback lanes, um, and or he would just spin for no reason. Um, I mean, we'll see. I, I still have faith that he's a good running back. I think he can be a really good running back. So. I mean, did you see what he did in the playoffs? No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad, but I do. Without see, him, the Jaguars do not make it to the AFC Championship. No, but I do see some of the concern that people might have with his running style. Yeah, he I is think very, that's fair. He is very straightforward. He wasn't perfect. And he is sometimes blind to holes. And that's not a good thing. But And that's not well, a good thing. I think for that, a can, that can also no, be I, a symptom of a lot of times the hole's not there. And then when it actually does show up, you're not ready for it. No, I agree. And it's also a lot of the scheme. He's not used to the scheme. I mean, LSU is not a very big outside zone team. And we run a lot of outside zone. Right. Um, so that's, that's not always easy to see your hole and p- take your hole. Um, so I think that's big, but I also think getting TJ Yeldon and getting Corey Grant more involved will be huge. Yeah. And I yeah. think really Especially in that passing game. going into next year, the, that needs to be the three, the three running backs, mm-hmm. maybe bring a guy in for competition, mm-hmm. but those three are, are going to give us the best option for diversity and give Fournette his best chance to be what the Jaguars want him to be. Yeah. Those, those, the three guys that you're talking about, Grant, Yeldon mm-hmm. and Fournette, they encompass basically everything that you're looking for in a running back room. There might be maybe a... I think they, they do. I think they do. Fournette yeah. is a true... He is a perfect first and second down back with yes. the ability to play on third down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it makes you predictable or easy to scheme against when you have Yeldon coming in as much as he does on third down. Mm-hmm. Because you saw how effective he is on third down. Yeah. His ability to see a blitz, pick up a blitz... 
Um, check out of the backfield. Make a catch. Make a guy miss. I mean, oh, and just, playoffs. And just to be able to run the ball as well. well and yeah, he ran the ball the, 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 the best year of his career. The way he was able to get pick third downs up, huge third downs. Mm-hmm. Not to mention his blocking ability. Yeah. And then you had Corey Grant, and it adds that little bit of RPO-style wrinkle and scat back style wrinkle it and makes just you very state. it makes yeah. you very diverse and i think you can't always get the cream hunts of the world or whatever sometimes you got to have a a war of attrition that that whole running back by committee style mm-hmm. and that's fine jaguars have done that for really forever good i mean yeah. so that's okay i think this group is good they're not going to be the stellar running backs that some people have they're not going to be alvin kamara and mark ingram but they're gonna go out and get three thousand yards, you know, thirty-two hundred yards combined. And if you can do that on a year-in, year-out basis, you're gonna be successful. I don't want to hear you saying Mark Ingram's better than Leonard Fournette. He I'm might not be saying, at this no, moment. no, no. I'm, so I'm one saying two punch. I'm saying the one-two punch okay. of those two is gotcha. better than the Yeldon Fournette yeah. punch. There's no, there's no. I think you put these guys with Drew Brees. It's but. Look at look at what and Kamara I guess really if you think about it if you really look at it I don't think Kamara is much better than Leonard Fournette I think in that <laughs> offense he is oh, I'm, I was saying Yeldon oh, I would say Ingram. oh I would say Kamara is I get your point yeah Kamara is better than Ingram though in my opinion yeah especially how they use it. <laughs> what, what I think the comparison between Fournette and Yel or and Ingram is actually kind of similar because look at what Ingram did his first couple of years in the league there was. He, he was, did not look as good as Leonard Fournette. He as looked like that's for he sure. was not able to keep up, really, or the co- the NFL game caught up to his college game. Yeah. And then he finally evolved. Yeah, And that's he doesn't huge. have that top gear like Leonard Fournette does. No, Leonard Fournette's so. definitely got the top gear. But yeah. I think when it comes to the running style within the box, He can learn a lot from similar. the way Ingram's career went. Mm-hmm. Right. you got to evolve your running game because you're not going to be able to do what you did in college. Yeah, I'm with you there. So we're pretty happy with the running backs. I don't really see them doing much, honestly. Get rid of Ivory, save some cap room, roll out there with Lenny, TJ, and uh, Corey. You've got a lot of diversity. It's an SEC backfield right there. (laughs) That's right. SEC West. Also, with having a fullback that takes away from probably either your running back or your tight end room, you feel good being able to sacrifice maybe that fourth running back to have Bohan and and maybe an additional tight end. Yeah, you That'll lead us just right into fullback right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Bohannon was probably the best fullback in the league this he year. He should have been a pro bowler and really considered to be all pro. Yeah. Because he, he was one of the biggest changes in this offense. Yeah, I mean, the wrinkle that not just, like, probably a lot of fullbacks could have done what he did in the receiving game because they were just so well-designed touchdowns mm-hmm. for him. But... uh he was a great, great lead blocker mm-hmm. uh, for Fournette and for whoever was in the backfield. I think he had a fantastic season. And I mean, he scored three touchdowns. Yeah, as a fullback, and had one of my favorite plays of the entire year, which is <laughs> the, the, little, in the, the Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, man. And that was just play calling there. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. beautiful. It was a perfect scheme, and it's just so easy the way they executed it. Yeah, it was. Well. And I know it's probably not a big thing, and I guess the average person's not going to see it that big of an, a deal. But to be in a game where you got to score and you trust your fullback to handle the ball <laughs> twice right. to get two touchdowns, that's pretty big. Yeah. Because yeah. fullbacks aren't supposed to carry the ball. 
and you can turn around and give it to that guy. That's that's a huge deal, especially when you're getting them for next to nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, and, and we'll be back. And I'll go ahead and say it. You know, I thought last season he was not going to make the team. No, yeah, I think we all. He said. did not play nearly as well in training camp and the off-season program as he did once. You know, uh, once the regular season started, but um, what was the rookie that they drafted? Marcus, Marcus Williams. Williams from Miami. Yeah, he would looked great, and uh, you know, it all worked out though. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so really worked out for Tommy Bohan and worked out for the Jaguars, and it looks like he should be a guy to stick around, at least for another year. Now let's move over to tight end, somewhat similar position to fullback. Uh, I think the Jaguars should keep Mercedes Lewis. There's some people out there that would like to see them just finally cut the cord with Lewis, save a little bit of cap space, and then just draft a guy. Where do you guys feel they should do? Let's just stick with Lewis, and then we can talk about let, what else they should let do. Let Lewis stay here and retire as a Jaguar. Yeah. Don't. He, he's done nothing that tells me he should be cut. He's still... A physical ass blocker. He's still effective in the run game, and he's proven that he's effective in the pass game, to some extent. Mm-hmm. But let him retire a Jaguar. Sometimes you got to take one on the chin and just be like, okay, we got to make. Yeah, it's not quite the best business decision, but it's what's best for the culture. And uh, keeping that kind of guy is best for the culture and. In my opinion, best for, like for that locker room is huge. Yeah, and just for your running game in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the I'm taking the X's and O's out of it. Yeah. this is strictly what he does off the field, and I think that's huge. What he mm-hmm. brings to that team and the stability he brings with his being a veteran like he is, and I think it it's a very comfortable presence to have. And the fact that one of the things he said in that that little journal was um, this year it felt like he was comfortable because he actually recognize the faces in the huddle is huge yeah keep that kind of guy in your locker room you need him yeah i agree and just looking at the play on the field speaks for itself i mean he was excellent as a blocker yeah he doesn't have the same step that he that he did when he was younger but he never had out. much of a step, let's be honest. <laughs> but you, you remember the, the, the Colts game where he one-handed catch over the middle. Yeah, yeah. and he he's not making guy. those he plays. He did juke again. Was it the yeah. Chargers? Yeah. But, I mean, well, Texans, yeah. he's not a big cap hit. It's, I think well, it's maybe $3 million. It's not going to impact you, especially for the kind of guy that he is on and off the field. I don't see it. Yeah. I just think if you lose him... You lose a lot of physicality in your running game, and you yeah. don't want to do that. I, yeah, and I think you lose a lot of just that old school. You you lose a lot of character in the locker mm-hmm. on that side of the ball, and that's a big thing. Um, and no one on the team can do what he does. The person that most likely would step into that would be Koyak. He at this be, point, he would step up to be. Yeah. Yeah, because the Jack. Here's the thing about the Jaguars tight end position. I don't know why people forget this so quickly, but Julius Thomas didn't work out here because he was unwilling to try to block effectively, and he just wanted to be a wide receiver. The problem with Mercedes Lewis, and this it really is the issue with a lot of tight ends like Mercedes Lewis, is people see what a guy like uh, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, yeah, that's a good one, or Eifert, or Ertz, or 
Jimmy Graham, all these guys that are making 10, 15 touchdowns a year, some crazy stats, it's not realistic. At the end of the day, he's a tight end. He is a receiver that wasn't fast enough to play receiver, and he was a fullback that was just too big to play fullback, really. You know, like, he's an awkward mix, and he does his job with the best of them. It's foolish to me that a Jaguar fan, or any fan in the NFL, would look at a guy like... Mercedes Lewis and say, oh, he doesn't really serve that much of a purpose. He costs too much. That's crazy. Like, you're not going to get the Tyler Eiferts and the, the Gronks of the world. Like, just be happy that you have a guy that can block his ass off and can still be effective in the fast game. Now, Eifert is scheduled to be a free agent. It's funny you brought up his name. He doesn't seem like a fit for Jacksonville. But uh, one guy I would like to keep an eye on is Trey Burton, just because he's a utility knife. Mm-hmm. He's technically a tight end, but, I mean, at Florida, he played quarterback and scored six touchdowns in the game. So, like, this is a guy that can just move all over the field, good receiver, and he's more physical than you would think for his size. Uh, Just a guy that could be a pretty cheap flyer that could really help out the offense in terms of maybe some versatility. And you would would have to assume, going into the offseason, this is going to be a position that they probably focus on because it's got one of the biggest room... For improvements on the team, yeah, um, you got guy like certainly not from a blocking standpoint, but from a passing game correct. standpoint, just being yeah, yeah correct. Um, you have a guy like Michael Rivera who was injured most of the year. God, it would have been nice if we would have been able to see what he could do last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he would have really opened up things in the middle. I think, mm-hmm. but oh, well. yeah, other than that, I mean, to me, like you said with your mock draft that you put out, targeting a guy. Um, like the tight end from South Carolina. I can't remember his name. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst yeah. He's actually a Jacksonville native. So no, Awesome. From yeah. Bulls. Even better. Well, not as good, but we'll, I'll, <laughs> no, we'll let it slide. He, he is older, though. He's like 25, 26. He's 24. Is he? Okay. Yeah. And, Which uh, is like 25 or 26. Yeah. yeah. He, he's I up mean, there. It's <laughs> old, he's definitely older than most of your draft picks. Mm. And that's maybe a reason that he could fall you know, to the second round, even though he's the type of guy that is potentially a top five balanced tight end in football and that he can absolutely run block. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do it. Uh, and he has room to improve there. And he's a fantastic athlete and receiver. Uh, he could just dominate the middle of the field for the Jaguars and really make things difficult for defenses and in terms of respecting what you have at your tight end position and uh, not just being able to key in on the receivers on the outside or just key in on the running game. He would add a dimension. And the reason I pegged a guy like him is because I don't think the Jaguars are going to go after a tight end that can't block. Yeah, I just don't think they're going to do it. No, that's not I don't Tom think Coffin. Dallas Goder, the guy from South Dakota State, makes much sense, or North Dakota State, whichever one it is. <laughs> I think it's South Dakota. One of those cold states. Um He's a fantastic receiver. I don't think he makes sense for the Jaguars. So people just need to understand, Jaguars are probably not going to just go draft one of these glorified wide receivers at tight end. They're just not going to do it. Um, But we say keep Lewis, draft a guy somewhere in the first three or four rounds. Are we all on board for that? Yeah, Yeah, I think think O'Shaughnessy is probably the, the odd man out. At the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... I mean, he does play an important role on special teams, I think. So, it will be tough to see what they do. And honestly, Koyak might be the guy 
that's out just because he has been kind of underwhelming. I could, and he doesn't. He hasn't done anything really well yet. He's no. done everything pretty okay. And he, but he doesn't provide the special teams depth that O'Shaughnessy does. So that will be interesting to see what they do with those two. Um, I mean, I fully expect three or four tight ends. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm being instructed to down my beer. I think I know what's coming. (laughs) It's about that time, halfway through the episode, maybe a little bit past halfway, but it is time for our Pop Top segment presented by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack podcast. Today they have hooked us up with a brand new beer, 4.7% alcohol by volume, a smoky session porter. And smoky generally scares me when you're talking about beers, mm-hmm. but I've been informed it's not too smoky. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get it. Oh yeah, that's such a good noise. That's the best sound in the business. Oh, it's so satisfying. The pouring sounds not bad either. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting. It's a lot darker than I. Well, it's I a porter. It's a porter. Porters are dark beers Come on, for those man. of missed, you that are uninformed. I was I was too hypnotized by the can. I didn't hear the end of what you were saying. <laughs> yes, the Smoky Session Porter from Bold City Brewery. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's oh, not smoky. Oh, that's well, nice. there's a not there's hint smoky. of smoky. There's a hint of it. It'll remind you a little bit of 1901, which mm-hmm. is one of their flagship beers. It's a 1901's a smoky red ale, but it's darker than what you would normally think of. It does taste kind of like... It's yeah. a really tasty <laughs> beverage, though. Sitting by the fire in the winter. That's, that's what I would be drinking. Yeah, that, that does seem like a good cold weather beverage. Now, we've got some info for you. Uh... It's slightly smoky and it's dark, obviously, as we just said. It's a long-time local favorite, reimagined and brought back by popular demand from Bold City Brewery themselves. So uh, we're excited to have it. It's a damn tasty beverage. Hopefully we can get some of these. uh, Keep it going, because this is definitely a beer I could drink more often. I I would like Bold City, and I want to put the request out that they make the Duke's Brown Ale in the coffee casks. Just... You know what? Whatever they got to do to bring that back. I think they might be able to accommodate you. And I want to. And I want to think it was so good. I want to thank Bolt City Brewery for expanding my palate. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Ne- I have. You're one of those simple bitches that drink Smirnoff Ice, aren't you? Uh, okay. <laughs> only, only when you ice me. Um, no, I, I, I was always, I've always drank like Bud Light and all those, and then the past couple of years. Those have become less and less and less appealing to me. Yeah, and it's definitely moving, not cooler beer. No, <laughs> moving into stuff like this, it's something where five years ago I would have just absolutely just shunned. Turn your basic nose up to it. Yeah, but this is great. Every week I get to experience new beers it is and cool. realize, hey, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that's different, but also really good. Yeah, and that's what's really cool about Bold Cities. Excuse me, downtown location. They're doing new beers, you know, it seems like every week. Well, this is what, three weeks in a row we've got a new one? Yeah, so it's really exciting stuff. And you can go down there and try these new beers. They've always got something new going on over there at the one downtown. So make sure to check them out, East Bay Street. You can also visit the original tap room and brewery 
on Roselle and Riverside. Find them online at BoldCityBrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. So, we've made our way through the running back room, the fullback room, and the tight end room. It's now time for my favorite position in football, wide receiver. Really? That's your favorite? It I is. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever just said that before. Yeah. But like, I've been thinking about it. Doesn't it feel good Didn't to you just play, let I it out? I thought you played DB. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I just love wide receiver. He loves watching them play. He loves hitting them. You know, he loves everything about him. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, I, I do. My favorite thing about being a cornerback was talking trash to someone right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, just face to face every single play. Yeah. I really liked it. We were never playing off. Or at least, you know, no. <laughs> in whatever, whatever play I had in my mind, I wasn't playing off. I don't, I don't think I'm, I might not have been running the correct play or the correct formation because our DB coach back in the day didn't make us do anything in practice. I didn't know anything about our scheme, no. No. but I just knew I needed to cover the guy in front of it's me. It's changed a lot. It really has. Like the difference from what we did in high school till now, it's it's crazy. So much, much more advanced. Now. Yeah, and I don't really know why it's happened like that, but it really it's like complete 180 yeah. well that's good i mean we had no structure no I, it, it is but it's so weird like we graduated and then i started coaching and i like really saw what was changing and all of a sudden it was like one day i like walked into the the meeting room and i was like what is what is this it's I'm not like, all just yelling obscenities at yeah, children anymore. It's, it's like it's actual changed. game plan and <laughs> i want to see 50 swings. <laughs> yeah oh yeah get on coach uh. jordan <laughs> Well, as a former ninth string wide receiver, I thank you for enjoying the position. That as we a play. receiver coach, I, I thank you. It is yeah. very fun to coach. So it's most of fun. our receivers were small. Yes, we were. I had a good time uh, just manhandling them in practice most of the time. It was a good time. But getting to the Jaguars receivers, Allen Robinson. Are we all on board for franchising or re-signing this man? Allen Robinson's a top ten receiver in the league. When he's healthy. So you don't let that go. I think you sign him this year. You know, I agree. But I, I, you don't let that go. Whatever it takes to keep him here, you do it. Because we've already lost Justin Blackman, who should have been an elite receiver. Why? Oh, Justin Blackman. I know. I'm bringing up sore, you know, open <laughs> wounds. but Yeah, now, that's funny. I just thought about it. As a Jaguar fan, having wide receiver as your favorite position, it's depressing. Yeah, oh, yeah. you've had a rough go of it lately. I mean... <laughs> You had Jimmy and Keenan, fantastic. But you've seen guys come through the system like RJ Soward, Matt Jones, Reggie Williams. We went for a while where our best receiver was Mike Thomas. Yes. Yeah. So, that is a very sad state of affairs. Yes. So, But getting back to these guys. Sorry. But, I mean, you don't let a guy that should be considered or should be playing an elite level of football um, go. I don't know if y'all have ever been around Allen Robinson, like, up close and personal. Have y'all ever seen him? Yeah. Like, he is a impressive human being. Yeah, he's a specimen. I was not thinking he was that big, just because he doesn't look that big. But when I was up close, when we worked his camp, like, he is huge. You can't let that go. No, no That's way. a weapon. And you, you don't let weapons go. Especially when you have a quarterback right now who needs all the weapons he can get. Yeah. And... I don't think Bortles has anybody this year that he could just throw the ball to in a 50-50 situation. 
Well, no, because Hearns was hurt for a good amount of the year, too. And Hearns isn't that guy. I know. Yeah. He's more of an inside guy. But so. Allen Robinson healthy this year, you can argue that they are not a 10-6 regular season team. They're a 12-4. Yeah, you could easily get to 12 wins with him, I think. They, Just I would think looking they beat, at this past season. I think they beat the Jets. I really do think they beat the Jets. I think they beat the Cardinals. Those are the two right off the top of my head. And the and Titans. I think they, they beat the 16. Titans once, and, and I, maybe the 49ers as well. Probably be the yeah. So I think they're a thirteen and three kind of team with Allen Robinson. Yeah, I'm with you. Now let's get to a guy that they did have last season who led the NFL in drops. Marquise Lee's contract is expired. He's set to become a free agent March 14th. Where do we stand with Marquise Lee? You want to take this one, Scott? Because I, I think I'm hurt on this one. This this I'm on the fence. I don't. I think this. It's the same percent chance he leaves as Allen Robinson stays, and that's a hundred. Okay. All right. I think. I do not think Allen Robinson will leave the building, let alone the city. And Marquise Lee. He's. He was struggled with injuries early. Overcame that over the last couple of years. This year, he really toughed it out, and he was able to. He play was dealing with injury all year, and he didn't yeah. miss a damn game. But I think, I think he's going. Gotta respect that. Yeah, he's going to expect and probably go for a price that, for what personally I'm looking for in a number two receiver, probably not going to want to pay. And I think you can find options. Like a James Washington or someone in that mold. In the draft. In the draft. draft. Because the wide receiver class this year is bonkers. I mean, yeah, I think certainly at the top there's a ton of can't-miss guys. Mm -hmm. I think Sutton um, from from SMU, he's can't-miss. I think uh, your guy from Alabama is can't-miss. Calvin Ridley. I think Christian Kirk is canvas. I also think James Washington is canvas. I think there's a few other guys beyond that that can be very effective receivers in the NFL. And getting back to Marquise Lee, though, for me, it's not about paying a number two receiver $7 million or $8 million. It's about paying a second receiver that leads the league and drops that much money. And it's and he's it's, unreliable far too often. And he made some of the best plays of any Jaguars receiver this year, but he also had some of the absolute worst. And it's a guy who is probably an 800-yard guy, 805, four or five touchdowns. I just don't – I mean, you can find that. Yeah. Whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in the guys in your building. Right. Do Westbrook and Keelan Cole have a lot of potential without I, question? I do think they address the wide receiver position. Um well, before we get to bringing in that guys from outside, where yeah. do we stand on Hearns? It's it's such it's such a big cap savings, and for who he is, he costs way too damn much. Yeah, I would love to keep him. You could have Man. him at like six million dollars a year. You take it all day, I think. But and and like you were saying before, we went on went on uh, on the air or went live. It's next year. That's even a bigger problem, or yeah. even the year after that. A, yeah, the contract ascends after this, and the Jaguars can get out of it now. 
have no uh, cap hit. They can just cut bait and not worry about it at all, and I think that's what they will do. And that's one of the part, that's one of the parts of this business. It can it can be cutthroat at times. It's a guy who we were praising. He was a thousand yard receiver, I and mean, he had uh, his rookie year. He had six touchdowns. The next year, I think he had a, a a stretch where he scored seven touchdowns, and or it's in seven straight games he scored a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's done a lot for the franchise. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to continue on with us. Uh, I mean, Marquise Lee, I think, has shown flashes. Going back to him, he's shown flashes where he can be the guy that we thought he could. But he's been too inconsistent, and the unknown with him is what probably pushes the Jaguars out, him out the door. A fresh start somewhere, you know, I think we might hear about him in a couple of years being really good. A really productive receiver. I agree. Um... Alan Hearns, it's tough to let a guy like that go. I, I mean, I, they probably shouldn't have signed him to the deal they did. Um, but again, yeah, that's one of the problems too. Since they signed him to that deal, it's injuries yeah. and non-production. It was a little bit too quick. I think they pulled the trigger on that one a little too quick. Um, but it doesn't matter for them. They knew that they could get out of him two years if they wanted to. Yeah, based off how they structured it. But yeah, it. I mean, obviously, I don't think either of them will be back. I think your your three receivers with Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and Allen Robinson are pretty comfortable. And then you can bring a guy in. Um, I think you want Westbrook and Cole to be your third and fourth options. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I could but, see Westbrook developing into a second option, but I think but those somebody. Those yeah. three guys are a good base. Like, yes, you have, absolutely. It gives you options now with who you go for in free agency or in the draft. Um, I mean, D.D. Westbrook can be really, really good. And yes. with Allen Robinson here, he's going to be even better. Um, Keelan Cole's turning into something that can be really effective. I agree. Um, and he proved that he could be effective. And I think, I mean, it does suck. I really, this is what the problem, the only problem and issue I have with NFL football, professional football, is because it is a business, it does suck to see business decisions being made sometimes. Yeah. Like, cause you do like with Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns, like they were here through some crappy times and they did everything they could to get through the crappy times to be here for an AFC championship run and then to leave the next year. Like that, it does suck to see. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. It's, it's the business. Now we talked a little bit about draft guys. There's obviously a lot more guys in the draft that we didn't talk about. DJ Chark, we both like a lot from I, LSU. I'm a big fan of Chark. The guy that didn't have an offense around him at LSU, certainly not a passing offense for that matter, and uh, could have a much better pro career than he did college career. There's some other guys out there too. Um, Byron Pringle from Kansas State, a similar thing in terms of not overly used in college, but could be a lot better. Yeah once he gets to the NFL in terms of his skill set. But there's some free agent wide receivers that are pretty interesting. There's two guys that are huge names, Sammy Watkins and Jarvis Landry. Uh, both of them would cost a pretty penny, but they dynamically change the way your offense is looked at if you bring mm-hmm. them here. Sammy Watkins is who I thought they should have drafted over Bortles. I mean, I said it from the start. I thought they should have drafted Sammy Watkins. I wanted I would um, so bad. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Sammy, when they... When they were going offense, like it was pretty obvious yeah. they were going offense. I was like, get Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Um, Ch- Chad Henney could have thrown <laughs> to him all day. <laughs> but 
I don't know if Sammy Watkins fixes necessarily what we are. The problems we're having at receiver. I don't think he fixes you, but I think he makes the other teams oh, uh, yeah. defensive backs he a lot more. He gives you a lot of options. I mean, and then Jarvis Landry, he's just basically an extension of the running game with the way he's able to work. I love Jarvis Landry. He would be so expensive, I think. Yeah, you, you, and I mean, he's a guy that caught over 100 balls and didn't eclipse 1,000 yards of school. <laughs> yeah. if, if you get Jarvis Landry, you're going to have to pay Allen Robinson and Jarvis Landry. There's no way, no way you're getting like a, a Kirk Cousins. You're, you can't expand past yeah. the receiver position. I agree. So when you're talking about signing one of these free agent wide receivers, I think you're talking about Blake Bortles being your quarterback. Yeah, because you're investing in making Which your offense better around him. Would be interesting. If yeah. they go out and invest in free agency in a tight end and a receiver or a really uh, elite receiver, a you know a pretty penny receiver, that is them committing to Blake Bortles at least for another year and saying, "Listen, man, like we're giving everything we, we can are, to you. Yeah. If you screw this up this year, so help us God, <laughs> you know we're gonna rip your arm off and beat you with it. You can get two playmaker, borderline Pro Bowl caliber players for Kirk Cousins' money." Yeah. Do you go that route? Do you say we're going all in? We're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. Which is you guys are burying the lead. We're trying to say the quarterback to the end. We should have saved receivers for after the line. Should should we go line and then go back to this? But no, I mean we're pretty much done with the receiver. There's two more guys that I wanted to bring up that are potential free agents. Dante Moncrief I like a lot because he's young and he has a he has a nose for the end zone. And you're stealing him from a division rival. Indianapolis. John Brown is another guy that I think can really stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just I think he's a guy that would be cheap. Both of those guys would be on the cheaper side of things, yeah. but could really add something to your wide receiver room. It really all depends on what they want to do at quarterback. I think if they... It really does. Like if, it, and it depends on what they want to do with the offense. Like If they're comfortable with how the offense was going this year... And having just a game manager kind of guy and a guy that's not going to really lose you the game as much and really rely on the run game of the defense, then you probably go get like a, maybe the more expensive guy, I think. Because I think that gives you a little more reliability at that position. If you're looking for like the speed, let's take shots, we're going big, then I think you kind of go with the Dante Moncrief and John Brown because then you got more speed and you're taking. Allen Robinson's obviously your double guy, and now you're taking big crossers, you're throwing big posts, and you know taking shots with those speedy guys. So it really just depends, I think, on what they want to do as a, an offense, and I think it depends on who they want behind center. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, before we get to who we want to be behind center, speaking of that center. offensive line, uh, Cam Robinson, he struggled at times during his rookie year, mostly because of injuries. Yeah. To be honest, he had an ankle injury that hampered him. Then he had a shoulder. But you saw what you needed to see from him as a rookie to basically say, that's a guy I should have gone in the first round. That's a guy we got to steal in the second round. And that's a guy that you want to be your left tackle for the next 10 years. Yeah, Cam Robinson is an all-pro left tackle. He showed great hands, mm-hmm. great feet. He's athletic as hell. He's huge. And he's smart. Now let's flip it to the other side, right tackle, Jeremy Parnell. For me, he was the most consistent Jaguars offensive lineman this year, and again, he didn't have to deal with injuries like some of the other guys did. But he was a consistent run blocker. You run to his side, you feel good about it. 
And he also didn't really give up sacks this year at any uh, high clip. So he certainly wasn't the revolving door that you saw in 2016 against D. Ford and the mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs. Again, he was injured at that time. But I think he's a guy you keep on for another year. You want him starting. He's solid. You're not going to be able to upgrade Jeremy over Jeremy Parnell in free agency probably or in the draft for the immediate future. No. How do you feel about that, Scott? No, I mean, I I think you're pretty set at the tackles. Um, like we like we were talking pre-show, Parnell is a guy who looks like he might be enticing as far as a cut that could be coming, but just look at the way the offense went when he went out. Yeah. The run game struggled. The just the, everything about the offense struggled when he was out. Um, I do think he could be one of the players, if they get desperate and try and say, we're going all in on a big money guy, you could see him be, because it is $5 million. He's got one of the bigger cap hits that is somewhat disposable. Um, But I agree with you guys. I don't think they're doing anything with the tackles. Um, Maybe... Draft a guy late to kind of sit back room to room. replace Parnell because Parnell's yeah he's a, uh, he's past thirty now I think he's thirty two mm-hmm. but but yeah still playing at a high level now interior offensive line with Brandon Linder you can play him at any one of the three offensive line spots on the interior mm-hmm. so AJ Can was clearly the weakest link on the inside yes. Omame was better, but not that much better than AJ Cam. Mm-hmm. So you've got two spots that you can fill, in my opinion, and upgrade based on uh, adding people from the outside or potentially, um, you know, bringing up a guy like Tyler Shatley to man the center <clears throat> position yeah. and moving Lender back over to guard and then bringing someone else in. I think that. The Jaguars would be okay to keep Omame and re-sign him to a team-friendly deal and start him next year at left guard. I don't think that they should start both Omame and AJ Kane next year. I think that is a bad strategy. So I think what you're looking at is probably a draft pick. Uh, Because, to be honest, in the free agent class, there's not much sexy at guard this year. No, Uh, last year was the year. Yes, yeah. I still you see what Zeitler was able to do for Cleveland. I know the offensive line was statistically better this year. I still disagree, and I said it immediately after the fact. They should have absolutely addressed the offensive line. Yeah, they should have. But it did improve, and it wasn't awful, and I got to the AFC Championship, and they, they can improve it now. They can improve it in the first round if they, if they want to. There's a few guys. I mean, the sexiest for me. Is Will Hernandez. Mm-hmm. He looks like Rich, Richie Incognito without the attitude issues and <laughs> with some better movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been studying him a little bit more since the senior bowl where he absolutely just dominated everyone. And he's he seems like he should be able to get to the next level in the Jaguars scheme and pull. That's huge for Jaguars' yeah, offensive ran, linemen. They ran a pro-style style, uh, pro style offense at UTEP. Um, I did watch a little bit of their film. Um, it's not even necessarily the pulling that I think you need to be concerned about. It's the 
getting out space. It's when when you're running a zone scheme and you're having to climb to the second and the third yeah. level and get to the corners and that's tough and it changes a lot at the next level. So he's athletic, there's no doubt about that. And he was a beast at the pro or at the senior bowl, so It'll be interesting. Seems would, like at the very least he will be able to dominate the point of attack, which would be a step in the right, right direction. And I've told y'all before, like in this scheme, center guard, center, guard, center, center guard. <laughs> are, I don't know what I'm thinking. Are, are the most important in this scheme when it comes down to it, because the point of attack, especially in a zone, is going to be at the three and the one technique. And if you can get three guys up there that can move some bodies. No matter how tight of a window it is, or how you know how wide open the space, but if you're able to move bodies in that little box, you're going to win a lot of a lot of matchups, and you're going to get a lot of yards. Yeah. So. With with Will Hernandez, I ever since I've kind of looked into him, it's always been curious to me, and I want to ask you, Hunter, kind of what you feel about this. At a smaller school like UTEP, typically. The, they just put their best offensive lineman at, at left tackle or wherever, or one of the tackles, to me, regardless of that. Not, is there a particular no, reason? No. I get what... That's a fair point, though. Yeah, like, the idea behind Like, it. the idea, but... Why I, wouldn't he be at tackle since he's so physically dominant, yeah. basically? At, especially at a smaller yeah. school. Yeah. Because it depends. It really depends on what the scheme and how they want mm-hmm. to run their stuff. Uh, uh, at tackle, you're going to want a long-armed, longer... Slight of foot. Talking about like some James Washington arms. <laughs> like thin, thin ankles, high calf style human beings. You're going to want a guy that was probably just too big to play tight end, really, at left tackle. Um, somebody that can kind of touch their knees without bending down. Um, that's who you kind of want at left tackle. Right tackle really is your best offensive lineman, usually. He's your best all around, like he's your workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, center's going to be usually your smartest guy. Your right tackle is going to be, most of the time, from everything that I've been around, he's going to be the guy you try to hide a little bit sometimes. Mm. Um, your right guard? Yes. Okay. Your right you guard. You said tackle. Yeah. Right tackle's okay. your workhorse. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you put the right guard next to him. The left guard is usually a guy that you feel comfortable that you can do whatever you need to do and get the job done. You can run zone schemes. You can run poles. A lot of times, left guards are going to be the guy looking back at the quarterback to tap the center. You'll see a lot. Um, so it really just depends on how you want to run your stuff. Like He's not a long-arm guy. I don't remember his measurements, but he didn't seem like he was very long and lanky. So that's probably why he didn't play yeah, tackle. He, he just looks like a... He's like a bulldozer. Yeah, um, exactly. And at, in the way they were running a pro style. So in a pro style offense, you're going to want a lot of you know, road grading, just maulers. Just beef. At, yeah. yeah. <laughs> put, put the beef in the middle and let them go. Especially because they did run some power and stuff. So you want pullers and, and movers. That makes fun. sense. Yeah. I, I always just assumed. It is a bad assumption, the whole left tackle. Yeah. But it is a common. It, people ask a lot that. <laughs> like, why is your best guy not a left tackle? So. Yeah, so I think we can all agree the Jaguars should definitely upgrade on that interior offensive line. And now, the debate we've all been waiting for, Blake Bortles, Jaguars starting quarterback. Where do we stand? Where? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'll start yeah. it, I guess. Go right. for it, yeah. Let's I think hear I'm, it. The, I'm the one that's different from y'all, but <laughs> Blake Bortles will be the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars Ooh. next year. Um, I don't 
necessarily know if it's because it's the best option in a way, but I think the money you'd have to spend for Kirk Cousins and the investment really is what it is because you're having to invest in the fact that you're probably not signing some of the guys off the defense. Um, it might tinker a little bit with the Allen Robinson deal. Um, <clears throat> that kind of stuff. And other you signings this year. You can get and Robinson. Yeah. But the other signings that you possibly need at receiver. It, it just tinkers with some other stuff. Um, I don't think it's worth the investment right off the bat or down the road. And I think the way this team seems like they're trying to build Borle, they like they're going to give Borles the keys for one more year. Um, I don't know. I Maybe it's because I like him. Let me, let me let me let me let me just let me just stop you there. <clears throat> I could taste the Super Bowl. That's good. It was right there, and it was just right on the tip of my tongue, and it got ripped away from me. I could taste it too, and then I watched Jalen Ramsey get burned. <laughs> okay, well, it, regardless, and, and cause a you know penalty. <laughs> All right, that's right. another story. But, another time. but at the end of the day. You're it right. was it was not Bortles' fault. We're not playing Sunday. It wasn't. I don't. I do not. I'm not saying Orange. But you think it was Kirk Cousins? Well, Bortles was Sunday. fantastic <laughs> in the final two games of the playoffs. Yeah. He just was. There's no argument that. But you think You're that right. without Bortles, with Kirk Cousins, we're playing Sunday? I think we are. I'm not in, saying that. I think that they have a better chance to beat elite teams if Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. Right. To me, a, that, that is a first thing. To me, being consistent week in and week out is the key in the NFL. You can't go, okay, you had a good six weeks, you had another good six weeks. You had a th- good three game stretch, yeah, and you're terrible for two stretch. games. You can't yeah, yeah, I, you, 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 you want to count weekend that you're not having to go on, like, a, okay, let's see if you can do it for two weeks. Okay, let's I, see if you can do it for three weeks. Okay, let's see if you can do it for half a year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, just, I do understand that. Like, Kirk Cousins can make every throw. Kirk Cousins, if we sign Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins would be the, I believe he's going to have to be the second highest paid player in the league. Yes, and that's a cyclical thing. It's not like you're saying, oh, we're going to pay Kirk Cousins this much because we think he's the second best quarterback in the league. You're doing it because that's the way the league works. And you're doing it because you think he can win you Super Bowls. You think he can win it next year and the year after that. Yeah, I think with... Kirk Cousins, or look okay. Not saying he will, but that's right. what you. When they like Bortles, I think the Jaguars are a legit contender to win the AFC. With Kirk Cousins, I think the Jaguars are a legit favorite to win the Super Bowl. Not maybe the I mean, favorite, but one of two is, or three teams probably. Yeah, that are that's sitting probably there at the top. a popular opinion. I I would agree with that. I I said before we started, I'm on the fence because. If they sign Kirk Cousins, it's because they truly believe he's the guy that's going to take them to the next level. Because at this point, you bring a quarterback in, not just because you want to be better, but because you want to win the Super Bowl. Well, right. Better is the Super Bowl. It's not like in past years where, oh, signing a guy over Blake Bortles is going to get us to the playoffs. This is, we're signing Kirk Cousins because next year, we are going to be playing this weekend. Every single... Every single franchise in the history of time has been in this exact same, okay, not this same situation, but in the same moment to where you're at a crossroads. You can go one way or the other. One of them might be successful, one of them might not. They both might not. But this, (laughs) you can can roll the dice or flip a coin or do whatever you want to. 
to me, put the best, put yourself in the best position to have an opportunity to just get to the game. If you get to the game, it's a 50-50 shot. Mm-hmm. You got one team that you got to go up against. If you can consistently get there, you have the best shot at it. Yeah. I'm uh, with you. Let's look at the numbers just for a minute. All right. All we're talking about right now is not necessarily just opinions, but, you know, you're going back and forth. Looking at the numbers, there's not a real comparison between Blake Bortles and Kirk Cousins. Touchdown to interception ratio, not close. Kirk Cousins, since he became the starter in 2015, 2.25 to 1. Blake Bortles, since 2015, which is also the year that he became the full-time starter, his second year, even though he started a lot as a rookie. It was the first season he came into this season as a starter. Since then, 1.68 to 1. It's not pretty. No. He's led the league in interceptions since then. Um, and, you know, even in his biggest improvement, his biggest season, he still threw 13 interceptions. Now, going into the final two weeks, he only had eight interceptions. That was nice. Uh, Bortles was also able to complete over 60% of his pass for the first time in his career. Just over 60. 60.1, I believe. You look at Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins had his worst season as a starter, and he still completed over 64% of his passes and still threw for more touchdown passes and had no one to work with. Terrell Pryor was a complete bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, their best receiver out there in Washington was Chris Thompson. Yeah, I 100%. The running back. I mean, I think you bring Kirk Cousins here, and he's putting up not only better stats than Blake Bortles is here, but better stats than Kirk Cousins was in Washington. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. It is. I also think you, you want to look at this offense. What can you do to really make this offense better? Get more big plays. Kirk Cousins, 61 completions of 20-plus yards this year which was top three or four in the league. Blake Bortles, 41. I mean, that is a one-third improvement. That is a ton. When you're talking about big plays, that's 20 more big plays this year for the Jaguars, if you look at it that way. I think that's huge. But if you want to look at some stats that are in Bortles' favor, you look at their age. Obviously, he's about five years younger. But at this point in the NFL, is a 30-year-old quarterback even old? you got Tom Brady playing into his 40s. Alex Smith is playing the best football of his career late. It seems like quarterbacks are able to hold on a little bit longer now, especially quarterbacks that didn't have any wear and tear their first three years, which Kirk Cousins didn't really. Uh, But getting back to Blake Bortles, at the end of this season, uh, the last eight games, He had 12 touchdowns and 5 interceptions. That is almost exactly Kirk Cousins um, as a starter, his touchdown-interception ratio. Bortles also completed 62% of his passes during that time period, which is the best of his career. Uh, And not far off what Kirk Cousins did last year. So you see, Bortles did finish really strong. In the playoffs, he had 3 touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean... The argument's compelling both ways. And for me, that that is why I will be happy with the Jaguars mm-hmm. and if they go in either of these directions. You keep Blake Bortles, and then you do everything you can to put more pieces around him. Yeah. 
or you go get Kirk Cousins, re-sign Allen Robinson, and you can still add pieces to help Kirk Cousins out via the draft. I think the reason if it was me, I would do Kirk Cousins, uh, go sign him for as much as I could. And again, there's no guarantee they'll even get him. The Broncos are going to be bidding for him, the Jets, the Browns, all these other teams. Um, But I would put all my cards on the table for Kirk Cousins because offense and quarterback play is more sustainable in football than great defense. Great defenses win a Super Bowl. Great offenses and quarterbacks can win and go to multiple Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Jaguars defense is probably going to break up if Kirk Cousins comes along. It's probably going to break up in a couple years anyways in terms of all these guys being here. Clays, Campbell, Malik Jackson, AJ Boye, those are three guys you could see out in a few years. Uh, I mean, Barry Church too as well. That's that's another reason to me to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, this defense will not be the same defense we saw last year. I mean, you've probably got two more years of pretty much this defense. Yeah, and if you have excellent quarterback play during those two years, you have a damn good chance to win a Super Bowl. And you could have pretty good quarterback play from Bortles. I'm not saying you can't. But I think you can have excellent quarterback play from Kirk Cousins. I think you can feel confident week in and week out going into every game that your quarterback is not just going to implode, which you can't say that right now about Blake Bortles. Because even at his best this season, he was inconsistent. Even at his best this season, he had throws that your little sister could have made. You know what I mean? That your grandma who's in a wheelchair could have made. I mean... This is a guy that's wildly inconsistent. He really stepped it up at the playoffs. He really stepped it up in those three games in early December. But what's in between those what's in between those three playoff games that were great and those three great December games? Two games where he combines for five interceptions and no touchdowns. Excuse me, he did score twice against the 49ers. And the 49ers, he wasn't that bad, but he threw three picks. Yeah, it can't happen. I'm still, I'm still on Bortles, and uh, and that's there, fine. There's nothing. Wrong I just, with that. I don't, I don't, I don't see it right now. Be Kirk Cousins coming in here? I mean, yes, it's possible because I personally, when Kirk Cousins was brought up when he was that draft year, I thought Kirk Cousins was a good draft. I thought it was crazy that Kirk Cousins got drafted so late and that he wasn't getting the chance right away. Um, I, in my mind, Kirk Cousins was one of the guys that I would have wanted to be in Jacksonville that draft. Um, and it's not that I don't like Kirk Cousins; he would he's going to win where he wants to, you know, wherever he goes. But I, I just don't know if it's worth the money right now. I, I think you have other options with that money that can make this team in arguably as successful. I have a hypothetical. Do you want to face the Denver Broncos and Kirk Cousins in the AFC Championship next year? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, sure. Okay. Like if that, I don't, if, but if if it gets that point, then that's okay. Wild card. Then that also means that Blake Bortles probably had a pretty exactly. decent year because if, we're if in the we're AFC facing the Denver yeah. Broncos in the AFC Championship, that means Blake Bortles just took us to two straight, you know, back to back. I get that. Well, okay, look. Saying Blake Bortles took us to these things 
He did not, okay? okay he was part see, of a that, team that did To me, that argument drives me absolutely bonkers. I'm so... Look, he was part of a team that made it. He was not the leader of the team. He wasn't. Okay, Bottom line. but that's great. There's a lot of people that aren't the leader of the team that make it this far. But the quarterback is the most important position, not only in football, but in sports. If you have a guy at that position that can be your leader and I you agree, have an elite defense, disc- you have a much better chance to win the Super Bowl. But you can't discredit a guy because Do you think the Jaguars have a better chance to win the Super Bowl next year with Kirk Cousins under center or Blake Right now, I really don't know. Because I think the Jaguars have more pressing needs when it comes to receivers and tight ends. I think You can address if, these needs via the draft. I, I think if they had more experience, better receiver play this year, they win the AFC Championship. We are probably hosting the AFC Championship game if they have better, more experienced receiver play. With Blake Bortles at quarterback. You could also say with the same receivers and better quarterback play, the same thing. That is a bold statement because the receivers played very If you had a guy that completed 65% of his passes, the Jaguars win two or three more games in the regular season. How many drops? Okay, Blake Bortles had a lot of drops. Kirk Cousins' receivers dropped the ball almost as much this year, dude. They did. I'm telling you. But it's also... The completion percentage can be a bit misleading because of the offense that they ran. They, they, yeah, it their was leading a receiver lot. was a okay. running back. Okay, Bortles misses those damn little <laughs> dump-offs that Cousins makes look easy. Kirk Cousins makes easy passes look easy. He Blake knows. Bortles makes easy passes look hard. Well, if, yeah. they, if they bring Kirk Cousins in, then great. But if they don't, then... And it, and it is... I'm with you. And we're on the same page. I, like, that's that. how I feel about it. We are on the I same just, page. I think what, pr- what frustrates me is and what really pisses me off about the whole situation is the people that are trying to discredit what Bortles has done this past year. Turning him into like a, oh, he was just a body back there. or And then the whole thing about, like, a legit stat is the fact that Blake Bortles has more playoff wins in his career than a... A good amount of quarterbacks playing right now. Kirk and, Cousins. But, yeah. Kirk, but Kirk Cousins, one of them. But more than Alex Smith. Yeah. He's got more than Alex Smith right now. Yeah. He's got more. What, I think he actually has the same amount of wins as Drew. Or um, uh, what's his face? Um, Sandy. Sam. Where Phillip are they? Philip Rivers. I get you, man. I get you. And I like I said, the last eight games of the season, including the playoffs, you look at Bortles' numbers. They compare very nicely to Alex Smith. And you throw in his rushing stats, and they look even nicer. But you give me a more consistent quarterback, and I'm happier. That's just the bottom line. I agree. I do agree. I really do agree that a more consistent quarterback is going to improve this team. But the same me is not... I don't necessarily think Bortles is not done improving that consistency. That's possible. I mean, the guy's still 25 years old. He's about to enter the prime of his career over the next couple years. Yes. He could have some seasons where he throws 25-plus touchdowns and maybe about 10 interceptions. I mean, he was two games of zero offensive game planning, which, you know, Tennessee and San Fran. Oh, the the whole team stuff. Two games away from having, you know, 22 21 regular yeah. season touchdowns and 8 interceptions. That's a great ratio. Yeah. I, but those 5 interceptions in the last two games are such I, a stain. I to, agree. And I think the position that we're coming well, at least the position I'm coming from, I don't think the, the Jaguars are saying, we have to go get Kirk Cousins. No, I don't, I don't either. I think if they get Kirk Cousins for the right price and the right situation, they do it. And that is why I say 
whatever they do at this point, I'm okay with because they're doing it because they genuinely feel they did the right decision for the franchise, not just mm-hmm. tomorrow, but down the road. And that's why I'm okay with it because I don't think Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Shad Khan, and Doug Marone are going to take this and be like, oh, we have to win the Super Bowl next year or we're done. That is why I think – that is why I'm okay with it. I think when it first started and the way a lot of fans have made it seem is if we don't get Kirk Cousins, we don't win the Super Bowl next year and the Jaguars franchise is done. We're never, I absolutely believe the Jaguars could win the Super Bowl next year with Blake Bortles. I yeah. do too. I think they have they a were better one chance with play. Kirk Cousins. There were seven now, minutes. Now, okay, but I think so you draft a quarterback – this year, it if would, it's the right situation, yes, it would have to be the I, third or fourth or later. I don't. There's no way you draft a guy in the first two rounds because I don't see anybody in the first two rounds right now, unless it's the very first part of the first round. You'd have yeah, to go get a rose. People Rosen. are uh, liking Lamar Jackson to Jacksonville. That's pot in the second round. First, at the end of the first. If they, I don't like it. I, I, I was Once high. Once he would be here, though, I would be excited about I was it. High on, scared. But I was high on Lamar Jackson like for a little bit of this year. Yeah. I He's was, got a huge arm. He's he got all the athletic out ability. Of his mind. But he also showed extreme inconsistency. Yeah. His Gator Bowl was awful. Tax, whatever it is, Tax Layer Bowl. You can no, call it Gator, Gator Bowl on this show. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It was awful. I think he threw four picks. Three picks to the same guy, I think. Wow. Bad. Like, we were watching. I was sitting there watching it, and he throws a pick. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Very next drive, pick. I'm like, oh, that's not good either. And it was the same thing for a lot of the year. And I still have a problem with his style of play in the NFL. Yeah. I just don't think you – I think there's more pressing needs right now. And I think the Jaguars are too good. Like we've said, they're too good on defense, and they have too good of a base to waste it on, you know, throwing all your coins into a quarterback – Fixed now. I do not think a rookie will come in. No, and I don't, this I next don't year, it's either. I really do think it's either Kirk Cousins or Blake Bortles. Yes, yeah. And and I wasn't saying guys. draft a rookie to replace Bortles this no. year, but maybe to replace Bortles. Now, if the they future. trade, if they trade back up into a early second, mm-hmm. uh, or back into the first, something like that. Okay. If sure. Mason Rudolph is sitting there at thirty-eight, I'm not a fan of Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph had too good of a damn team on his and a very very. I guess vanilla style simple offense, and he played piss poor. Well, not piss poor. That's that's a that's I don't like when people say that. He did not play up to the consistency and the level that you would want him to. Play. I'm just saying somebody who's not necessarily going to be one of those early first round picks that could you could pick and sit him this year, not feel like you have to play him uh, and let maybe him... maybe I think in that case I would if if like a Baker Mayfield falls in the second. And you feel like Oof. you can get up and get him, take him. Yeah. But I Not don't. Happen. I don't I, I, think you yeah. take a quarterback in the first round because it's it's it, it doesn't send the right message in a way to me. Same thing that happened with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. Like Smith they, knew it was the beginning of the exactly, end as as and that it. is a terrible, terrible thing to put in a quarterback's mind. Competition, especially if you trade up. That far competition right. is great. It really is. It's the best thing in any sport. But doubt. It, doubt is a terrible thing to put in a quarterback's I, mind. That's not competition. That's saying we don't think you can get the job done, so we're going to get your replacement. I think there's a difference between Alex Smith with years left on his contract. <laughs> like there, he still had a couple years yeah. left on his contract versus a guy who's in a contract year. I just who has. It's always been a question: Will he still oh, be yeah. here? 
Yeah, Bortles has had to deal with the question marks his whole career. And I don't think the, he cares. The best thing for the, – there's two options. There really is. And I think it boils down to two options, black and white. You either get Kirk Cousins right now and you cut Blake Bortles. And, or you throw Blake Bortles the keys, say, here, it's your ride, it's your show. We're going to ride with you for at least one more year. You know, possibly two more years because if they could franchise him into mm-hmm. in a, another year. Build some weapons around him on offense. He understands that the defense is going to bail him out of some situations, and you let him go play football. Let him show the consistency again from December, early December. Let him show the consistency from Pittsburgh and New England, or even the consistency from a couple of those games middle of the year where it looked like Bortles was going to be a 16 of 24 kind of quarterback, 16 of 27 kind of guy for a touchdown a game or two touchdowns a game and maybe a pick here and there with 30 yards rushing. Yeah. Let him prove it to you. And then if he doesn't, there's your proof right there. And the whole, oh, they didn't go for it on that last drive of the first half is proof enough for me. Or they didn't do this or that is proof enough for me. That It's, it's asinine and it's just... And if anything, it was poor coaching decision. I don't think it had anything to do with Blake Bortles. You were up fourteen to three. It's completely asinine. You're up four. (laughs) You're up at half. Like you're gonna take that. When I have a minute left in the game, and I have timeouts. Yeah. Well, I and a half. I do agree. I do agree, and I don't think it was necessarily because of Blake. That's my point. I'm saying that was just a bad coaching call. That was Doug Maroon saying. We're in a good position. Let's get into the halftime. That's what it was. I think they were comfortable. I think they were. And you're getting the ball back. But they had all the momentum at that point. So it was them being like, this is our game plan coming into the game. We're sticking to it. Uh, But that's that's here nor there. We all agree it's Kirk Cousins or Blake Bortles. Yeah. Whoever. One of those two is behind center. Next year. Yeah. Either way, we're going to be whatever. I mean, if it happens, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm fine either way, to be honest. I am. I think. But I, I just don't see why you... To not be I interested and uh, and inquire and see what it would take to see if you can oh, actually probably, do I it. I guarantee you they've, and if they've you already made a call. My one, my one stipulation where I will not be okay with this offseason in terms of the quarterback situation, if they do just stick with Bortles and then don't add... A receiver. Weapons. Or, yeah, big time yeah. weapons. I don't see how you can. What? Where else are you going to go? Are you going to pick more on defense? Right. Are you going to? Like, well, I'm not even just saying in the draft. I mean, if you keep Bortles around, I think you need to go after yeah. a Jarvis Landry or a Sammy Watkins or something like. Give that. Give him the you best break, chance. You, you go out and break the bank in a way, and you you you. Like we said you give the keys to Bortles and say we're giving you a Ferrari. Yeah, you you say if you wreck it's it, up to that's you your fault. Like. It, all the liabilities on him. And no more excuses. Yeah, I agree. You've got the pieces. I agree. And I think if they go after Cousins, I think you might get like a Dante Moncrief kind of guy. Right. Or you go draft like the James Washington kind of guy mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're going to, we're giving you the, I don't know, the Corvette. I mean, <laughs> yeah. quite Ferrari. <laughs> In that situation, Cousins is the Ferrari. Yeah. I really, Everything else around him can just be I think, role players. I really do think an Allen Robinson and maybe a weapon or two here or there Bortles is a lot better, yeah. and the consistency of a Nathaniel Hackett and a consistent quarterback coach, I think he does make the growth. I don't think he's ever going to be a top 10 quarterback. Like He's not going to be that guy, but he can be a top 15, top 20. I mean, he was top 15 this year, to be completely honest. He was. Yeah. 
But I don't think he's great. ever going to be an elite. He will always be that middle of the yeah. road yeah. kind of guy. And yeah. you can't. I don't. I, he's not going to be Tom Brady, but I don't think he's ever going to be like a, who's a bad guy, a quarterback. I'm thinking. Like I think he, in my mind, he's better than Derek Carr right now. Yeah, I think his, that's a fair point. Especially this year. His yeah. maturation, his growth is what gives me hope. Yeah, the, the craziest thing, looking at uh, just three really young quarter or four, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr, Blake Bortles going into this season. Blake Bortles <laughs> was number four by a long shot. Yeah. Now, now he's, he's number one probably. I'd say he's arguably number one, probably number yeah. two. Yeah. I think you, you could argue that Jameis would be ahead of him. Just because of Jameis's... He, he's got he, a lot of He does have a lot of issues. But he does a lot of things that's like, yeah. He does he, a lot of things that none of those other no, guys like. Yeah. Oh damn, that's that's NFL league right there. We're gonna know. That's also I, I think that might be a little bit me being kind of greedy. Is I want to see Bortles one more year. Give me one more year if, if with those other three that you're talking about. Let's really see how it all unfolds, and let's see if Dave Caldwell blew it. If Blake Bortles turns into the guy, the guy. It's going to be so much sweeter, I think. Oh my god! There's yeah, there is no question that it's going as to a be Jaguar a fan or someone who covers the Jaguars or just someone who lives in Jacksonville. If Blake Bortles wins the Jaguars the Super Bowl, people will still the better say story. He's terrible. People will, but you'll just be able. They to will be, be like, I can. S- oh, yeah, yeah, this oh, thing, yeah. baby. You're but wrong. I can still see people on Twitter being like, "Oh, a Super Bowl wins don't mean anything for a quarterback like Bortles when the defense did it." Talks, yeah. Trent Dilfer. Yeah, like <laughs> come on. If Bortles won the Super Bowl this year, took him to the Super Bowl or won it this year, he's better than Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, all those guys. He's yeah. he's way no, actually, out of the league. No, I disagree. Brad Johnson, Brad Johnson had a great year of the, yeah. the year that okay, was cool. He did. Yeah, yeah, People true. always bring him up. And, like, I guess just because his whole that, career was pretty it's average. That Outside of that one year, he was very defense, pedestrian. But yeah. it's because that defense was on. They had the best Super Bowl of Ron Ronde Barber and uh, Derek Brooks and all. But if Dexter Jackson would nuts that game. Yeah, and then he got paid and never did anything again. <laughs> Here's I love seeing those Super Bowl heroes go get paid the next <laughs> offseason and then not do anything. If, here's an extreme hypothetical. Bortles comes back as quarterback. That's not the hypothetical. Takes us to the AFC Championship slash Super Bowl. One of those. Like He takes us to a point like far. Not first or second round out kind of thing. Or possible home field advantage. And gets us to the AFC Championship. What do you do then? To me, he did that. And you lose in the AFC Championship or something? You lose in the AFC or Super Bowl, whatever. But he gets you to I mean, the AFC just, Championship. It depends on what he does this year. Yeah. He, does. he did that this year, and there were there were games that proved to me I I seriously have doubts about this guy. Yeah, I mean, there were times In the same year like, that he went to the Even during the Patriots game, he had some decision, like little things. I was like, oh, God, Bortles, seriously? Yeah. Even in the two-minute drive at the end of the game, I was like, oh, God. If we had anybody else, like I feel, I would feel more at ease, maybe. Yeah. But then he goes out, and there's times where it's like he throws some balls at that last drive. It's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. Like we got a chance with this guy, and then you know, whatever. Either way, Bortles, I'm with you. Win, lose, Hunter draw. Is definitely team Bortles. I'm here. a fan of him. I think he he embodies Duval. I he think does. He, is, he really does. He has taken all of the shit talk. He has been. He has the most trash talk of anybody in the history. He of the is. Film. He is. The Jacksonville of NFL players. Oh, there's yeah. He's the Jacksonville of NFL players. And no and NFL players ever had this much negative talk. And I don't want to seem like I'm bashing portals. I don't. I mean, 
I appreciate. I don't think either done. Scott or I are bashing Bortles. We're just saying there no, is better options. I think I'm you're always looking, looking, you're looking you for always get, look to get better. No, I agree. You have to always but look to get better. The, the hate that he gets. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the fact that he's able to handle it, I, I think, and again, I think it has to do with the fact that I've been a part of a locker room like that where mm-hmm. like, you want that guy on your team. He has handled so much, and he has come back every time swinging. And you want that guy behind center. Yeah. You want that guy leading, or at least being a part of leading your team. And uh, they say he's not a good leader, but listen to some of the sound bites and the sound clips. That's preposterous. He's talking on the sideline. He might not be the, the, the rambunctious, like, really hyping people in front of the camera, but you see him talking to the guys. You see him leading and going out. And I, I really think that people buying into him inside that locker room was huge for him. And another thing, I know Kirk Cousins would probably get back in. I'm, I'm sure he would. But that support system and that chemistry and finally seeing a guy develop into something that can yeah, be your there. quarterback, it really has. that's grown. really hard to get rid of. It's grown into a family in that locker yeah. room. Yeah, and that's another special thing about the Jaguars. They really do, this, this team, the players, the coaches, they are a family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think, and that just, all these things make me feel like Bortles will be back. Because I think it's this, it's another, it's one more chance. We got one more chance of this team, which really will be completely intact for the most part. One yeah. more chance to go out and prove that this year was not a fluke. And I, right. that's, well, I mean, Duval till we die, right? Yeah, it's Duval against the world, man. I mean, it's going to be one hell of a ride. And uh, we've been recording for an hour and a half now. So we're going to go ahead and cut this off. <laughs> Basically... The Jaguars need to address the guard position, mm-hmm. at least adding one guard, we believe. Mm-hmm. We believe they need to add something at receiver slash tight end. Both. Yeah, both really. Yep, absolutely. And see what happens with the quarterback. Cool. And pretty much stand pat at running back, stand pat at your tackles. You got Brandon Linder you're happy about. Yeah. So, uh... It'll be really interesting to see what happens here with the offense this offseason. But we are going to wrap that it up for this episode. Um, that's going to do it for us. We're going to come back at you next week. We might take a break one week here coming up soon. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, this is the time of year to do it. We'll see what happens. But uh, we'll certainly be back next week. And we will cover... We'll certainly talk about the defense. Uh, there's less to talk about on defense because it's so stacked. But there's still some storylines, and uh, we might dive a little bit deeper into some free agent options and some draft options and uh, have a real good time. We appreciate you listening to us. Please review us on iTunes, podcasts if you're able. Uh, Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow Scott Klein on Twitter at ScottKlein1. Hunter Evans at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow myself at JordanDeLugo on Twitter. And GenJag.com for all the latest news and analysis, podcast, videos. Um, we've got gear. We're about to put a big sale out on the website, I believe. There's going to be select items 50% off. So that's a that's a pretty huge sale. Biggest sale we've ever had. So stay tuned for that on GenJag.com. Make sure to listen to us next week and check out our sponsor, Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the GenJag podcast. Find them online at BoldCityBrewery.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BoldCityBrewery. That's going to do it for this show. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, Duval.
Thanks so much for listening to the GenJag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Block and teal all day. We'll catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.